Hello everybody and welcome to Bags and Backpacks. Today we're going to be talking a little bit about ourselves, cover some frequently asked questions about travel agents, and of course, talk about Alaska to help you cross see the northern lights off your bucket list. Welcome to Bags and Backpacks. Hello, my friends. My name is Brandon Nish, but more on that later. I'm very excited to introduce to you one of my really good friends. He has been a travel agent for over 37 years and is genuinely one of the nicest people I've met. If you will please allow me to introduce to you my co-host, John Warnes. John, how are you doing today? Hey, Brandon. I'm doing great. It's great to be here with you today. Happy to uh, be able to share some fun insight on travel with you. Yes, I'm so glad you could be here, too. And, uh, you know, we've, we've talked about this for a little bit. We're both really excited about getting some more information out there and stuff. What, uh, what makes you want to do a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> what doesn't make me want to do a podcast? I love travel and I love to share it with people. So this is a great opportunity to share that enthusiasm with people that love what I love to do, and that's travel. Yeah, tell me kind of what you like to do. So as a traditional travel agent, I've done this for about 37 years, and uh, really the, the type of travel that I like to do is pretty planned out. It's, it's pretty structured. You've got your hotel reservations, your flight reservations, everything's pretty much laid out for you, and you just go and have fun. That sounds wonderful. Like really a nice breath of fresh air. My wife and I were backpackers. We've talked to you a little bit about this, but we were backpackers for 10 months straight, and it was a little less structured. Um, there was a loose kind of schedule that we followed, but if plans fell through, um, we had tomorrow to do it, or we had the next day, and uh, that was good for us at the time. We'll get on my stuff a little bit later, but um, just, you know, briefly wanted to see what a travel agent does for their clients, stuff like that. Great. Yeah, of course, Brandon. So one of the main things that we do as a travel agent of course, is book travel. A lot of people have questions about what it's going to cost them to go through a travel agency to do, do their bookings for them. People think that there's extra fees involved, and for the most part, there are not. We are paid by the vendors, so there's no extra charge to you. And the only time that that's a little bit different is if you're booking airline tickets, because airlines don't pay any commissions or anything to travel agents. So if you're just booking an airline ticket, there might be a small service fee to do that, but we take care of all the headaches of finding those great fares and those great flights for you. What are some highlighted trips that you've sent people on? You know, what are some of the, I don't know, the top three? Well, you know, I think some of the exotic trips are always fun. I send a lot of people over to Asia. They do Thailand, they do Myanmar, they do some really fantastic uh, travel in, in countries that have just recently opened up for travel. And so things are still a little bit unspoiled and, and just give you that real authentic experience. Also, of course, doing safaris in Africa. I mean, you just, the scenery changes every day and, and you never know what you're going to expect right around the corner. And then, you know, just, just doing even close to home trips when I'm able to do some national parks or up in our scenic uh, Rockies and in the Canadian Rockies, I'm tagging that on with a fun Alaska cruise or something. Those are some of the trips that really excite people. That's adventure at your fingertips, I would say. When we were traveling, we did a little bit different. We would generally stay with people or book an Airbnb and go out and find our own things to do, which was just as fun because we were able to kind of live like the people and, you know, see their day-to-day -day lives. But I think that you're right. A lot of travel can give you that little slice of life and help people uh, broaden their horizons, I suppose. <laughs> Very true. And I think a lot of times people are looking for a good balance in that, too. Uh, some people don't have the luxury of the time, what it takes to doing the backpacking-type trips. But 
but they like to have a little bit of that in their more structured trip as well. You can plan some days where you don't have things quite as structured, but you can uh, go off and maybe do some exploring as the locals do and, and really kind of get, get some of that local flavor. And, you know, maybe during a long trip, you can spend a couple of nights in more of a intimate local type hotel that's not a big chain or something. So you get to know the locals a little bit better. Love that. We have a lot of resources and a lot of experience that, that is sent to us that we can kind of help get people to that perfect spot. Of course, we can't have traveled everywhere around the world. We'd love to be able to do that. So we have to rely a little bit on some of the guidance that we get from some of our, our sources and our resources, but we pull those together and I think we can really that perfect trip for people. Yeah, definitely. What kind of information do you like to have ready for you when a traveler approaches you? Right. So um, the thing that I that's the hardest is when people say, I want to go on a trip. I don't care where I go. I don't care when I go. And I don't care how long I stay. Oh, geez. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> give me something to work That's with. the biggest challenge. But if you can at least give some dates, of course, a bit of an itinerary. It doesn't have to be super detailed, but maybe just how long you want to stay, what cities or what countries you want to visit. It's always good, of course, to know who's going, how many adults, children, kind of what the makeup and age frame of, of who's going. That always helps as well. And just kind of the basics to start out with. Are you going to need airfare? Are you going to need train? Are you going to want to do hotels the whole time? Or do you have some flexibility? That's probably the first and foremost that's going to help us start to get things going. We could have used you when we were planning our trip. It ended up, we pretty much followed the summer everywhere we went, which meant we were always in the rainy season. And <laughs> a little bit of that forethought would have been great. We did pack a jacket. We had umbrellas. But it was like, man, everywhere is damp. <laughs> right. So, you know, avoiding things like that or taking advantage of things like that. Some people love the rain. We didn't mind it too bad. And that is something to be mindful about because there's certain places in the world that when you travel during a season, maybe where you live and it's wintertime, it's going to be summertime there. So if you're packing for the climate that you're leaving from, might not be the climate that you arrive to. So <laughs> it's always good to keep that in mind as well. You want to be prepared for what the season's going to be and kind of, uh, you know, what to pack and what to bring to make it a real fun and positive experience. So it's not so miserable. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So if I said, John, I want to go to the beach, I need to get away during Thanksgiving time. I don't know. I want to be gone for a week. Was that enough to work with? Pretty good. That's a really good start. And then, then there may be some more questions thrown at you as we start to uh, process it. And there may be some countries or locations that you're adverse to that you don't really want to go to. So we'll throw some out and kind of see what sticks and where you might be headed. Definitely. Okay. Well, then it's really not that complex to work with a travel agent. I mean, Very true. Yep. Perfect. What are some of the reasons you found that people travel? Well, of course, one of the big reasons is they just got, want to get away from the normal day-to-day -day routine. They want to go somewhere different. A lot of my clients, they want to go somewhere just to relax and just enjoy the scenery, be on the beach just really have a, a relaxing time from a very busy schedule that they may have back at home. Other people are adventure seekers and they want to go out there and explore and hit the road running. They want to climb every mountain. They want to explore every cave. They want to see everything that they possibly can see. Um, there's also people that are driven by interests such as food. You know, foodies, they love to go to different places and experience the different culture with food and go to the different markets and, and learn hands-on cooking experiences. That's a lot of fun as well. And then there's a lot of volunteerism travel that's coming up right now too. People want to make a difference in their trips. And so they'll go somewhere and maybe have a little bit of vacation and downtime, but also help out whether it's working at a school, helping the local community where they
where they're at and, and making a positive influence with their trip. That's awesome. Yeah, that's one thing that we were able to do. We worked with a program called Workaway, and you go and you stay in these people's houses. They put you up for food and a room, but you volunteer and you give service uh, five hours a day about. And that was a big draw for us. And you, again, you develop these relationships. So you do learn how to kind of cook and cleaning habits or whatever it is and home duties of these people you're staying with. And that was a really great thing. So on that note, there's also a show that we've been watching a little bit. It's out of the UK and it's around the world race uh, where these teams, they go on around the world race, kind of like our um, amazing the race here oh, sure. in, in the United <laughs> States. But there's a little bit different. The money is not really the big thing. It's the experience of going around the world and they're given a set amount of money and they've got to go all the way around the world and meet at this final point. They are given local places to stay along the way and jobs to do. So they're actually in the community waiting tables and cleaning out you know stalls and farms and doing all of this kind of stuff and it's so exciting it's such an interesting show kind of waiting for the next season to come up but it really sparks your interest for travel too by seeing that a lot of the reason for anyone to travel is the wanderlust and you can see that through instagram you can see it on tiktok you can see it on these shows i remember watching one it was called departures and it's two friends and they they just go on all these crazy adventures and it's really just interesting to watch there's a lot of reasons that people travel and we wanted to kind of get into one of the biggest destinations people are looking for especially this time of year alaska is on a lot of people's bucket list especially to see the northern lights and if you would like to see that then yeah now is the time to book to go see the northern lights can you tell me a little bit about you know the beauty of alaska how to see the northern lights just you know tell me about that yeah of course so alaska it's really a year-round destination but a lot of people really think it's only for summer because you know the cruise ships they go from May to September. That's when everybody's going up there and spending their week or week and a half or two weeks exploring Alaska, but they're actually missing a time and, and a site that is on a lot of people's bucket list, and that's the Northern Lights. Uh, right now, that's just a really hot item that people want to see. And a lot of times when you think of the Northern Lights, you think of Iceland, you think of Norway, you think of some of the Scandinavian countries that you need to go to. That's a bit of a challenge because it's a little further to get to, and it's very cold there too. So you're flying a, a long trip to go somewhere that's quite cold. Um, but we actually have the possibility to see the Northern Lights right in our own country, in our own backyard, and that's Alaska. I mean... The visas that you don't have to worry about or, you know, is a little bit of a journey, but definitely flights from here to Alaska are certainly cheaper than here to Greenland or Iceland. And, yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> so the one of the best opportunities to get to see their Northern Lights is going into Fairbanks. Fairbanks, Alaska has really good air access from the mainland U United States. You can get in there pretty easy. Sometimes the schedule during the winter is a little more limited, so you may not have all the flight choices that you have during the summer, but it's still very easy to get up there. And it's actually quite quite economical right now. I've seen airfares for in the three, $400 round trip to get up there. <laughs> yeah, really, really good. And hotel rates, of course, in the off season in the winter are going to be a little less expensive. You can stay at everything from a Marriott property to a small local bed and breakfast, or, you know, you can do your Airbnb like you were talking sure. about. <laughs> That's always fun to travel if you're going to just do a little bit more local travel. Yeah, Fairbanks is a great place to be able to see the Northern Lights. Once you get into Fairbanks, you can explore on your own. You can rent a car and go up there. But 
really, if you're a little bit worried about that, because the weather conditions can be pretty severe up there and, and it can change by the minute almost. Um, so there are some great tour companies and they're very reasonable and they will offer these trips that leave late in the evening, usually around 9, 10 p.m. is when you depart. They take you far up north as they can to some places where there's some lodges. They give you, you know, food and hot drinks and then you get to go out there and they'll provide the cold gear so you can dress warm and see the northern life and hopefully you'll have that experience to be able to see it and then they take you back home so you can go back to your room and go to sleep that sounds lovely see the northern lights and keep all your toes like that yes. is the definition of a good trip <laughs> right <say>. exactly <laughs> nobody wants to be stranded on a highway up in alaska in the middle of a snowstorm big old note for me <laughs> What else is there to do in Alaska? So for Alaska, uh, during the winter months, of course, there's some geothermal uh, uh, pools that you can go to that are really kind of fun. So, you know, you get that nice cold experience going up to the Northern Lights and soak in a nice geothermal uh, hot tub or, or pool. Uh, so that's that's for the winter. And then, of course, Alaska is a great destination for the summer. When everything gets really hot in the lower 48 states, uh, it's really nice to be able to go somewhere that's nice and cool and the scenery is spectacular. I've seen photos. I definitely need to get up there. I know salmon, right? Fishing is a big pull for a lot of people uh, up to Alaska during the summers. Have you booked anything like that before? Yes, absolutely. So we'll book a lot of fishing lodges where people just want to go up. They want to stay in a lodge. Everything's all inclusive. So they cook all your meals for you. They help clean all the fish that you get. And then you can go out for salmon. You can go out for halibut. Pretty much anything that's in season, you can go out. They'll even take you by float plane or by helicopter. So it's very remote places to go fish some different streams that you'll be the only person out there with the local bears, which is always fun to see them as well, as long as you keep a little bit of a distance. Sure. And, and they know what they're doing up there. They're not going to put you in Absolutely. Going with a guide is usually pretty, pretty advisable if, unless you're an expert yourself. Yeah, I wasn't looking forward to backpacking through Alaska myself alone. That seems a little dangerous. Yeah, I would definitely opt for a guide on this one. You were telling me also that uh, if you do opt to go backpacking, you know, obviously we'll, we'll talk about gear and stuff like that in a second, but you said you can tent, you can camp on the ferries. Right. So the Alaska Marine Highway is a basically a highway set up in Alaska of ferry systems, and it connects all of the different small cities and towns to ferry service. And so you can buy a pass or buy it per route. And some of the longer trips or the overnight trips, they actually allow you to pitch a tent on the top deck of these ferries. So it's kind of like backpacking out in nature, but you're out in the ocean on a ferry service. Um, then, of course, you can always opt to staying inside where it's, you know, not nice and warm and maybe not so open. <laughs> Go get some cocoa. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Even in the summer, cocoa is always nice in, in Alaska. Definitely. I didn't realize there was so much to do up there. A while ago, I saw there were some ice hotels. I haven't seen them as much in Alaska. There are some opportunities to do that up in Iceland and up in some of the Scandinavian countries. These are actually igloos. They're glass igloos. They're fully exposed glass. So at night, especially in the wintertime, when you get to see the northern lights, you're sleeping under the stars, under the northern lights, and it's nice heated element with lots of down blankets and lots of warm things there for you. So it's a great way to see that as well. Wow. I've always wondered, is the... <laughs> You're not sleeping on ice. There's got to be a mattress. I mean, they have very beautiful bed frames. Yes. They're, those are made of ice. But what? There's a mattress. There's box springs. There is. There is a mattress <laughs> and box springs and lots and lots of blankets. Dumb question, I know, but it's always I've always wondered. <laughs> right. Okay, cool. And uh, so 
what would you recommend? Would you go by land or by sea? What's the difference between a cruise to Alaska and, you know, maybe a road trip? Yeah. So Alaska is a little different because it's very difficult to get to all of the different cities by land. Most of the cities and towns are not linked by highways. And if they are, they're very rural roads that are not maintained as well because of the severe winters. There's lots of potholes and, you know, it's a little, little hard to get from city to city. And some of them are completely landlocked where you can't even get to them unless it's by sea or by plane. So as we talked about before, the Alaskan uh, Marine Highway with the ferry service, that's a great way to be able to get to the different cities. You can choose to fly in, but that can be a little bit expensive if you're hopping from town to town. The cruise lines, they really offer a nice experience. There you kind of combine your relaxing trip with some adventure. You get to go back to a ship that has great accommodations, great food, great entertainment. And then during the day when you're in port, you're off exploring, you're going up into glaciers, you're doing kayaking, you're doing all kinds of fun experiences that just really show you Alaska at its fullest. Wow. How do you pack for a cruise like that? The word is layers. <laughs> Whenever you're going to Alaska, you always want to have layers because the temperature and the climate can change so quickly. Even in the summer months, I've been up there in July, actually on the 4th of July, and we had snow up in Glacier Bay. It was really fun because we got to experience Independence Day was snow. Uh, but then the next day was sunny and warm and poured and you just had a t-shirt and shorts. So you always want to make sure that you're planning base layer that you can have when it's warm and then something that you can put on. Backpacks are crucial. Whether you're on a cruise or whether you're backpacking, keep a small backpack with you so you can throw that jacket or that warm gear into the backpack as the sun comes out and warms things up and you're out there exploring because in about an hour you might need all of that again. <laughs> it must be very interesting bag to pack with a jacket and some sunscreen a little bit of everything i'm sure right yeah. Exactly. And sunscreen, it's funny you say that because a lot of people forget about that because they think, oh, we're going to Alaska. It's going to be cold and, and everything. But you know, the sun is just as bright in Alaska as it is anywhere else. So make <laughs> sure that you pack that sunscreen with you as well. Certainly. I'm, I'm more of an aloe packer than a sunscreen packer, but I would love to be a sunscreen packer one day. <laughs> <laughs> if we're talking about hiking up glaciers and, you know, going on these kind of extensive excursions, what physically should people do to prepare for a trip like this? Besides, you know, the pack the gear and stuff should we be like walking every day or what? yeah it's it's good you know whenever you're going to do a, a trip that has a little bit of extra activity like that you just don't want to go into it and not have kind of built up to that so you know go take those walks go do a little extra exercise and just kind of get yourself in that fitness level because there's a lot of hiking involved there's a lot of strenuous work that you might not have back at home so if you're prepared for that that's going to help tremendously when you're on the trip is there any difference I mean, I know the cruises were at sea level, sure, but we're also like a little further up on the planet. Is there any problem with altitude that we should be aware of or? Well, you know, and I'll find that I'm an avid runner. I like to get my runs in on a cruise ship as well. So being at sea level, you know, being here in Utah in the mountainous area where it's a high elevation, I have to work a little bit harder. And I find that when I'm on a cruise ship and I'm, I'm running around the jogging track there, I can run a lot farther and a lot easier to breathe <laughs> than it is sometimes here. Same 
thing when you're traveling and you're going in on some of these hikes and you're going up to the glaciers, you do definitely go to a very high altitude very quickly. So you'll want to kind of make sure you're in, in good shape for that. Your guides that usually will go with you will kind of give you some tips so that you're not just going out full bore and, and you know, have some, some issues there because that, as you travel around the world, that can be definitely a, a factor that you need to consider, especially if you're coming from a sea level uh, place and then going somewhere you're up at a high altitude and you're not there very often. That can really put a damper on the trip. <laughs> Absolutely. I can't imagine having altitude sickness and seasickness at the same it, time. It can make a trip really <laughs> miserable really quickly. Yeah, one trip, you hit a both. Yeah, no good. Is there anything else that, we, that I should be asking about Alaska that you might think our viewers would enjoy knowing about? So a lot of people, I get a lot of questions when people are planning their Alaska trips about how they're going to go, how it works. There are a few options when you're taking cruises because cruises are the most popular to Alaska. You know, thousands and thousands of people go every week during the season, which runs from May until September. There are just a few main itineraries that you'll want to choose from. Um, the most convenient for those of us in the United States is the round trip out of Seattle. Your cruise ship will depart from Seattle, the port of Seattle, and do usually a seven-night sailing from Seattle round trip. So you'll fly into Seattle, catch your ship, and then it will come back to Seattle, and then you'll fly home. The other options would be a round trip from Vancouver. That is by far my favorite itinerary because you're in the inside passage for two full days of cruising. It's a very narrow strait that's just absolutely beautiful. The water is as still as glass and the scenery is absolutely beautiful. So if you can spend that little extra money or that little extra time to get up into Vancouver and take that sailing, of course you'll need a U.S. passport if you're traveling as a U.S. citizen because it is a Canadian port. So that's a little different than um, Seattle, but it's well worth it. The other two itineraries out of Vancouver are the one-way trips up to Anchorage or from Anchorage back to Vancouver. So you'll pick the ship up in Vancouver, you'll sail it up to Anchorage, and then you'll either fly home from there or you can start taking your land exploration up into Alaska. The other itinerary would be taking the ship from Anchorage back to Vancouver. And there again, you can start your adventures up in the Anchorage area or up the Northern Alaska area, catch the ship, come back down to Vancouver, maybe spend a couple of days in Canada, which is a great place to see, and then fly home. Those are all seven night itineraries. So you'll plan on a week for those. The last itinerary, and it's not quite as popular, uh, there's not as many options to choose this, but it would be a round trip out of San Francisco. Adds a couple of days to your trip, a couple of extra sea days, but for people that want convenience and just be able to go in and out of San Francisco. It's kind of a nice itinerary as well. And who doesn't like to sail underneath the Golden Gate Bridge as you're starting your trip or ending your trip? Wow. I didn't know they left out of San Francisco to Alaska. <laughs> yeah, it's fairly it's fairly new, mm -hmm. uh, but it is a neat option. You could definitely leverage your plane ticket versus your cruise ticket between San Francisco and Seattle. And whatever one is a bit better for your situation might lend to a good adventure either way. Absolutely. <laughs> and Brandon, I, I would tell everyone that's out there that's really thinking about Alaska, start planning it now. If you're thinking, hey, this summer is the summer we want to go up to Alaska, it does sell out really quickly and you will get the best price and the best availability right now and you can really get that itinerary that you want. So even though where you may be right now, it may be cold and snowy and the last thing you want to be doing is thinking about booking a cooler destination, just get in there and start booking it. Can they book with you? Are they... Absolutely. That's, that's, that's my job and that's my passion. <laughs> where can they find you? <laughs> so you can find me in a couple of places. Our website, which is great to be able to find all the information on us, it's www.ultimatetravelinc with inc. Com. You can also call our local number here in Salt Lake City, uh, which is 
1-800-273-4400. And you can also email. And my personal email that you can always send something to is john, J-O-H-N, at, and then it's Ultimate Travel Inc. So the word ultimate and then travel and then inc.com. Perfect. We'll, we'll link both of those in the description below so you guys can check that out. But I think that's going to do it for today. Thank you everybody for joining us on our new adventure, this podcast. We would love to hear your feedback. For now, I guess let's go book it. Let's do it. But what? There's a mattress. There's box springs. There is. There is a <laughs> mattress and box springs and lots and lots of one. We would love to be a sunscreen packer one day. <laughs> <laughs>